Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And at this time, I ask you to turn to your Crosswalk notes. We are continuing our message series called Zero to Hero, looking at the life of King David. And today we're going to look at his courage and the courage that God gave him uh, to defeat a giant. And so we're going to be talking about David and Goliath, uh, probably the most well-known Bible story about David as he fought this giant. And as we consider this message, one of the things that I would like you you to think about in your own life before we even get started is crisis and how you handle crisis-type events in your life. When when something bad happens, how do you respond? Very often, you might look at one of two responses, maybe you've heard of this before, that there's either fight or flight. So either you are, when when a crisis comes, you you get ready and, and you are ready to handle it, or you run the other way and and try to get as far, whatever your defense mechanism might happen to be. Well, yesterday, as I was preparing our message, uh, we had a crisis event at my home. And I was in um, my office, I was at the computer, and I was getting the message ready, and I heard screams from the pool area. And so as I heard the the terror in in the sound of my wife and and my children's voices, I was under the assumption that someone had jumped the fence and there was a possible terror situation around our pool. Uh, And and so it just kicked in uh, the fight mentality and I went running out to, to see what kind of trouble they were in. And it was a hostage situation. Uh, they were being held hostage by a brown spider that had the ability to walk on water and then also go up underneath the ledge of the pool and hide. And I think we thought at the moment that it was a brown recluse spider, the most dangerous and deadly of all the spiders, but I'm sure it wasn't. But anyways, they were screaming, and, and they when they were faced with this crisis, showed their fear mentality, their flight, and uh, the fact that they were cowards in, in dealing with this, this spider, while I showed courage. And, and what I did was put some shoes on, first of all, because I knew those might be necessary to, to uh, kill the spider. And then, only armed with a fly swatter and a piece of paper toweling, I went to battle against the beast. And after a lot of maybe screaming myself and backing off and going forward, uh, I, I killed the spider. It was a David and Goliath type moment, I being David, the spider being Goliath. Thank you. Just wait. There were two more. This whole thing happened three times as I went back in and came back out as as these spiders are around the pool. 
in this situation, what's interesting about this is that as we're faced with this, I'm going to tell you that I did not show courage when I killed the spider. And this is why. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm just not. They, that when I see a spider or something like that, if I see a spider on me, I don't freak out. It, it doesn't bother me. Uh, so for me to go and, and deal with a spider is not that big a deal. But I guarantee you, if it would have been a snake in the pool, we would still be at our house, uh, maybe calling fire department or an exterminator or someone to come save us because I am afraid of, of those snakes. And because of that, when I, when I see them, my reaction with them is not to fight. It is to run away. It is to get to high ground. It is to, to be as far away as possible. It's important for us to look at this because when we look at what the definition of courage is, courage does not mean that you are willing to do something that other people are afraid of. But courage is when you yourself are filled with fear, when you are afraid, when your natural reaction is to run as far away as you can go. But despite that, what, what you are able to do is you are able to contain that fear and then continue on and, and move on and do something. Now, as you hear this, some of us might think that either you have courage or you don't. And I'm going to tell you that that is simply not true. And so today as we go in, 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 we look at this message and we look at these crisis situations, you know, I was joking about the, the whole spider thing and, you know, it was not that big a deal. But I guarantee you in your life, for all of us in our lives, there are things that we are afraid of, crisis situations that are very real that there are people here being held hostage to, to fear in, in situations that are just slowly suffocating them and, and, and it's over, overwhelming to them. Today, the, the first part of this message, what I need you to do in your life is identify for yourself what those things are. What is it that you are so afraid of? Then the second part of this, and, and this is, is the most important part, is recognize that, that in your struggle, you are not alone. Uh, we're going to see that the battle is the Lord's, that, that as you go forward, the Lord is not only with you, the Lord is in front of you and, and wants to fight these battles for you. So we begin, and, and we're going to start in 1 Samuel 17, beginning with the first verse. Remember at this time, the king was King Saul, uh, David at this time had gone back and he was uh, a shepherd and he was living with the flocks in the fields at his dad's house by Bethlehem. And here's what happened. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come to me. 
If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. This is a crisis situation. And this is a crisis situation specifically in the rule of of King Saul. And it's a crisis situation not only for him, but for his, his army as well. And what I'm going to do right now is go back and, and look at this because this sometimes can help us understand exactly what a crisis situation will look like in your life. First of all, in, it's in the third verse where it says, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. And so you have this situation where there would have been the hills on both sides, the valley down in where they would do the fighting. And now neither one of the armies wanted to go and attack the other one. And the reason why is if you were to do that and go down on the valley and then come up after them, you would be fighting what we call an uphill battle. And an uphill battle is one that is especially hard to fight. And the reason why in this situation would have been that they, first of all, had dug in and and they had been encamped there and so they would be able to defend that position. And also just fighting uphill takes more energy as opposed to coming downhill and, and meeting your enemy that way. And so what's interesting about this is neither the Philistines nor the Israelites wanted to fight an uphill battle. That, that might have turned the, the scales of, of the battle and of the war, so they just stayed where they were at and waited for the other person or other army to make a move. Now, in order to have an advantage and provoke them, Goliath went out. And, and we are told that Goliath was, well, he's a giant. He was six cubits, Cubit is from your elbow to your, the top of your finger, that's a cubit, and roughly 18 inches, or mine, maybe 16 inches uh, for a cubit. But, so it's a general measurement. So Saul could have been anywhere, that, and, and there's speculation on how tall he was, that he could have been as tall as nine foot and, and as short as maybe seven feet. It's not written here. We, if you want to go in with all the verses, you can look at 1 Samuel 17. But it talked about his armor as well, that he had armor made of bronze that covered his entire body that weighed approximately 125 pounds. So as he came out, he was just huge and he was strong. And then he had a spear, and, and that head of the spear weighed about 10 pounds, which is roughly the size of a shot put. So, so you can imagine a normal person trying just to lift up his spear and, and, and how you would throw a shot put, you're able to throw it maybe you know, 20 feet, 30 feet, however, however far, that Goliath, as he came out, had the spear and was able to throw that thing. And so what you have in Goliath is the very first recorded tank in the Bible. 
And, and that's what he would have been like, that he would have gone out, he would have been impenetrable with these with this, uh, bronze, that if they shot arrows at him, it would have been able to stop it, that he had a helmet of bronze as well, that, that there were really no weaknesses as he went out, no place where you could attack him and kill him. The next thing uh, is that a little farther down towards the bottom, it says, this, day's I defi- this day I defy the armies of Israel. So these verbal attacks against them. And the result was Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. 80 times, 80 times they heard the taunt. Again and again, day after day, twice a day, you guys are a bunch of cowards. Come out and face me. Why don't you, you stand up and, and be a man? And this took a toll on these people. N- notice, as a result, they were dismayed and terrified every time they saw him, every time they heard his voice. And I'm sure every day as they watched him, Goliath got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now if you're thinking in terms of from Israel, who is the one who should have gone out and fought him? We're told that King Saul was taller and bigger than everyone else in Israel. That their king, they gave him the, God gave Israel the king they wanted, who was a really big guy. And in essence, what was happening is Goliath is calling out Saul. And Saul is hiding behind his army. In the blank, you can write, King Saul was facing a battle with a giant that he didn't want and one that he knew he couldn't win. A battle he didn't want and one that he knew he couldn't win. This is where I I need you to start thinking in your life about what your crisis situation is. What is the battle you don't want and one that you know you can't win. What is your uphill battle? See, we face uphill battles all the time. And when we face these uphill battles, when we are fighting a, a person or a situation, all they have to do is not change. Whereas when we go in and we're we're trying to get them to change, uh, an example of this would be fighting an uphill battle would be to try to encourage people to come to church every Sunday. And the reason why that's an uphill battle is because in order for them to come, a lot of things have to happen. They need to get up. They need to get everyone ready. They need to get here. And and especially if it's something that they're not used to doing, if it's something you're not used to doing, that it's just natural to try to go back to that status quo, to the things that you always did. And so you're trying to move someone from a situation where they have been for a long period of time. And it's hard. So, so what is your situation where you're trying to, uh, you're going to have to move someone from doing something that they've always done? The next part, what is your giant? Who is the, the per- maybe it is a person that you think of that you, that when you go up against them, you always lose. You can't beat them. Whether it's a, a, a verbal disagreement, whether it's they're, they're bigger physically than you, that, that you just, there's nothing you can do. You can't beat them because they're stronger than you. Or it could be a situation. It doesn't have to be a person. Maybe the giant that you're facing, the scary thing that you don't know how, how you're going to beat is, 
is a sickness, an illness, a, a situation. And then the final part, day after day, you have to deal with it. Day after day, that person, that situation just beats you down, knocks you down, keeps you from getting up. And, and so what happens is now you've developed an attitude towards it where it scares you. And now it's, it's, it's just the status quo and, and you don't see yourself getting out of the situation. If you are there, I'm telling you it's a scary place to be but it's a very good place to be. And the reason why is it's a place we sometimes call rock bottom. And when you get to rock bottom, the good news is you can only go up from there. And it, it makes me think of the, on, on Saturday nights with our resilient ministry that we have, that, that one of the first steps, it is the first step, that as we look at this is, is as we look at God and the importance of having him in our life, that there comes a time when, when each person there has said, I believe that I am powerless to overcome this problem in my life. And that's a great place to be because when you finally realize you cannot do it by yourself, someone will enter who can we continue. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. David asked the men standing near him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David had not heard this 80 times. This was the first time that David had heard it after everyone else had, had, had weighed all these things about the uphill battle, about how strong Goliath was. And, and day after day for this period of time, and as David came in this situation, he just listened to it and immediately he knew this was wrong that this was a situation, that this was an individual who needed to be addressed immediately. In the blank, you can write, David processed Goliath's threats through faith and not through fear of the current circumstances. David processed Goliath's threats through faith and not through fear of the current circumstances. Two things happen with David that are very important. Number one is David took Saul's threats personally. That he was offended on a personal level by these things that Goliath was saying. And also, David was offended even more importantly on a spiritual level. That as he heard this defiance, it was not just the defiance of God's people, but when Goliath was defying the armies of, as he called them, the armies of Saul, David rightly understood these aren't the armies of Saul. These are the armies of the Almighty God. And when you defy them, you defy him as well. And that doesn't work for me, David says. No, that, that is not going to happen. Now, as we look at this, David then, we know, did something about it. And 
one of the things he did was he, he said, you know what, someone's got to fight him and someone needs to fight him now. And I am willing to be that person to go and, and fight. And as he talked to Saul, King Saul, David went up to him and, and, and Saul tried to talk him out of it. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But this was the mindset in David's head. That he, as he was talking to Saul, he said, you know what, there were, there were times when I was out in the field and there would be a bear or a lion that would come. And, and when they would come down towards the flock, I would go and I had to defend them. I, I, it was fight or flight and there's no way I'm going to run away because I'm the shepherd. That's my job. That's what I do. And what happened in every one of those situations is that the Lord was with me and the Lord protected me. And, and so in the same way, when, when this guy comes, I believe the Lord is going to defend me as well. And so the way that we would say this in our, our current, I guess today, uh, past performance does not guarantee future success, right? I think you're told that when you invest money. So past performance, no matter how good it was in the past, it doesn't guarantee in the future that it's going to be that good. But David says just the opposite. Past performance is an indicator, not just an indicator, but a guarantee of future success. And now I want you to think about that in terms of why do you think God gave us the entire Old Testament? There's, there's a lot of Bible accounts there a lot of names that, that I'm guessing some of you don't know. And, and as you read through it, it's the accounts of many of their lives. Why, why did God share these things? So that you could see his past performance. And you see that past performance in the lives of others, and then you begin to see it as David did in his life as well. And so where I need to take you today, before we even look at David, or as we look at David, I should say, that we need to look at the past performance of Jesus Christ. Because as we, we look back at, at God's track record, we are able to look back over a longer period of time than David was. David looked forward to the time when the Christ would come. David looked forward to, to the battle that, that Christ, that Jesus would win knowing that he would defeat the biggest enemy that we would ever face, the bully of death. And so we are able to look back. And when you look at things that we are afraid of, or maybe things that we even should be afraid of, death and Satan are the two biggest bullies, the two biggest giants on the block. And so Jesus came into this world to fight that battle for you and for me. And that is why on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, we look back at that battle. We look at the perfect life that Jesus lived for us. We look at the cross. We remember his suffering and his death and the payment that he made for sin. And three days later, we remember the fact that he, he rose from the dead. He rose victorious on a field of battle to give us all heaven, to give us the victory. And now as we look at our lives in the same way that David did, that we need to understand that that past performance of our Savior is a guarantee of future success in our lives as he continues to fight for us. 
Now, what is this going to look like? What are, these, what are these battles going to look like and what are these victories going to look like? We go to the next page. So David's there and, and he's all amped up about Goliath making these threats. And that's when his brother's there. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked you, your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Thanks, man. Good to see you too, bro. Glad, glad I came down here and brought you this stuff so that you can harsh out on me and, and come after me. In the blank, you can write David's first battle of war of words with his brother. A war of words with his brother. And do you know what happened after David had, his brother had these words with him? You know what David did? He walked away. He just walked away from his brother. And you know why he walked away? Because David's brother was not his enemy. In these words of Eliab, you can see what's going on in his heart. 40 days, 80 times of having Goliath beat up on him and being dismayed and, and terrified by him had taken its toll on him. And so now at the time when David finally pointed this out, not only to the whole army, not only to Saul, but also to his brother, his brother lashed out. And, and as he was bullied, he looked at someone he could bully, his youngest brother, and, and how he could do it, go and, and go after him. But David walked away. And so I'm going to encourage you, as you think about the crisis situations you, you are in, in in your lives, that probably what I see most often is instead of facing the issue and the crisis, you would much rather fight battles you can win against people who are not your enemies. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it is a family member. Maybe it's other people here at church. Maybe it's one of the pastors at Crosswalk. I don't know. But I'm telling you, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we look at the battles we are going to face in the the crisis situation, we need to understand that the people that God has put there to support us, not fight them, and point our attention back to the battle, back to who the enemy is. And situations where I see this may... This could be a a situation, I guess at Crosswalk, I look at things that we're going to face, big things we're going to face. Uh, Churches have to face these things. The giants sometimes we face, uh, physical giants, I guess, would be things to do with finances. Maybe as we look at Crosswalk looking to buy land, uh, that, that different people have different opinions. And it's kind of scary as you look at the future and what God has in mind for us. And so my encouragement is to look out for times that we look at other people and and try to see them as someone that we're fighting instead of realizing there's a bigger war. We need to lift our eyes up and and see what it is we're fighting for. Or maybe it's uh, in the same way in a situation in your family if, if you might struggle with things like finances. 
And, and I'm telling you, been there before, and what happens is that my wife seemed to be the enemy because she's spending money and I'm spending money, and, and so you, you get upset with each other when really the way that, that you want to go about the battle is to get on the same team. Recognize, identify who the giant is, what the giant is, what the enemy is, and then fight together. The second battle David fought, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. And so David had a second battle. You can write that in the blank. David's second battle, a battle with doubt. And I might even change that from doubt to doubters. That, that David had individuals around him who, who, who looked at him, who looked at the situation, and they said to him, there's no way you can win this battle. And on the one hand, Saul was correct. And we see the, the error of Saul's ways. One of the things that he did when David was talking with him is that Saul tried to give David his armor. And so as Saul was there, it... It would be like, David was probably about my height. I'm guessing he was uh, what I call normal height, uh, maybe about five foot, six inches in that neighborhood. And that would be like someone, Saul was probably a good six, six, five, six, six, I'm guessing in that area, very tall, big guy. And so if someone like that were to say, here, let me give you my clothes to put on, I'd be swimming in them. There's just no way. That, that it, it just wasn't going to work. And as David was getting all of this stuff on, that he, that he realized and then he told Saul, you know what? This is not working, Saul. I need to fight him in my own way with the gifts that God has given me. And, and I think sometimes the doubt comes is because we think we're going to do a head-on assault, that the doubt comes because we're, we're thinking in, to ourselves, the enemy is not stronger than us. And everyone else says, yeah, the enemy is stronger than you are. And as we look at that, the, I guess the point is that we are going to face enemies, each of us individually, all of us together, we will face enemies that are stronger than me, but not that are stronger than our God. So that's where the doubt is going to come. So let's go to the final part. And this is the good part, the final battle. Then he took his staff in his hand, this is David, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Okay, so here's the question. Did David really have faith? I mean, he grabbed five stones. Why didn't he just grab one? This'll do it. But he did. He chose five. Why he did that, I don't know. But, but he chose those stones, and then he did something that no one else probably had done for a while, and that is approached Goliath, approached the bully face to face. And later it says David even ran towards him, that, that he was running into the battle. We continue. This is, Saul, or this is Goliath talking now. He said to David, am I a dog that you have come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. 
David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I have that highlighted and you want to hide that, highlight that as well. David understood what this battle was about. This wasn't David versus Goliath. This was the Lord protecting his honor through David. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And if you continue uh, reading in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, and I would encourage you to do that because I wasn't able to get all of that into the notes. The final thing that happened then is, is David ended up taking Goliath's own sword and cutting his head off uh, and showing, showing that victory that God had given. In the blank, you can write, the final battle, an unfair fight, an unfair fight, a victory for the Lord. It's an unfair fight, right? So how is this fight unfair? This is important. This is, this is so important for you to understand the battle of David and Goliath. If David fights Goliath and they fight 100 times, how many times do you think Goliath wins? 99? Think about this. If David fights Goliath, I would be willing to maintain that Goliath would win that fight 99 times out of 100. But if Goliath fights the Lord, how many times out of 100 does the Lord win? 100. 100% chance of victory when the Lord is fighting. And as you look at this, the, the, the story of David and Goliath is an unfair fight. Not because David is unequally matched with Goliath, but I would contend that it's, it's an unfair fight because Goliath is unequally matched against God. That is so important as you look at the battles that you are going to fight and the battles that you are not fighting right now. Because I am guessing that the reason why you are not fighting them and, and the reason why you are, are afraid is because you do the math in your head that when you look at this battle that needs to be fought and your chance of actually winning it that the odds are so slim that you're saying, you know what, I'm going to live to fight another day. I'm going to stay up on my hill. I'm going to stay encamped. I'm not going to go down to the plain. I'm not going to face this problem. And just maybe it will go away. But now it's 40 days later. And you've listened to 80 threats. And over that time period, it's just the way we are. We start to believe them that we look at the giant, we look at the, the bully, we look at the battle that we are called to fight and we recognize or we think in our own hearts that it's unwinnable, that there's no possible way that this can happen. So what needs to change more than anything else is who is fighting in our lives, who we expect to make the difference. If you expect the difference to come from yourself inside of you, 
you will most likely fail. Maybe you'll win. Maybe there's a 1% chance. But wouldn't you rather have the odds in your favor of a 100% chance of victory with the, with the Lord fighting for you? Look at the memory verse of the day. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That is the theme of the day. This battle, for the battle is the Lord's. Your battles, the battles that you are facing are the Lord's battles. Give them to him. Hand them over to him. Surrender to him, however you want to say it. But recognize, that is what he wants for your life. As we are into these situations with with battles that we don't want and we can't win, what he does want out of them is for us to hand them over to him. And then finally, look at the bottom line. Courage. And, and, And where we go from here, courage is picking the right battles to fight and trusting God to win them with his power and in his way. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we pray for courage in our lives, the same type of courage that you gave to David. And we understand that part of courage, in order really to have true courage, there's a a part of us inside of us that needs to be afraid, that as we look at the enemy, the giant, the crisis situation, whatever it is in our lives that that we are facing, that that there's a part of it we're going to be afraid, and, and maybe even down deep we wonder and question if we can win it. But Lord, it is so important at this time that we remember your track record of saving us through Jesus Christ. Uh, You you came into this world, you took away our sin, and, and you're not just leaving us alone. You continue to be with us. We are your children. And Lord, we know that as your children, you love us very much and you will continue to fight with us, uh, fight for us in our lives. Please help us now as we face these different battles. Help us to identify what they are and then help us to uh, hand them over to you in our lives. And then whatever it is, the, the, the sling that we pick up, however it is that you want us to fight, Lord, let us fight with the strength that you alone can give. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. In our lives, there are going to be things that make us afraid. Uh, that, that as we see them, they, they startle us, they scare us, uh, people or things that are bigger than we are. But as we look at where we go from courage, courage comes from confidence. And that confidence is not found in ourselves, but in our God. And that's a confidence that all of us can have as we fight the battles that God puts in front of us. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you today and we'll see you on the patio.